a little word of warning that this podcast contains swears and use of explicit sexual language. Therefore, it is not suitable for anyone under the age of 18 or anyone who thinks kinks can only happen in clothes. Hello all and welcome to the penultimate smut drop. Yes, I'm afraid we're coming to the end of our long-term relationship, but what a few years it's been. In true smut drop fashion, we are still diving into the more eccentric side of sex and relationships from metro.co.uk. I'm Miranda Kane and on this week's show, I'll be looking at parasocial relationships and chatting to Countess Diamond about the future of sex work. Hello, 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 dear listener. Quick question. Are you in a parasocial relationship? I know, I know. (laughs) Look who swallowed a dictionary. So a parasocial relationship is when someone feels like they know and potentially think they're in a relationship with someone they've never met or spoken to. So, yeah, we are obviously used to seeing that when people get a bit mad about celebrities, but it also happens to bloggers and content creators. And we've chatted a lot about how people on OnlyFans can build up a community, but what about when it all goes a bit too far? So academics Giles and Maltby from 2006, (laughs) oh yeah, I got myself a source, defined three different levels of parasocial relationships. The first is when one is simply getting entertainment or sense of social interaction with the person, like watching an interview. Uh, The second is feeling a strong affinity towards a person, like taking an interest in their personal life. So when you, you know, follow them on social media or you think of stan culture, the third involves fantasies that the object of this relationship reciprocates your feelings or would if you were given the chance to meet. Now, the reason why this has piqued my interest is because of a story on metro.co.uk this week about a man who called off his wedding after finding explicit AI chats on his fiancée's phone. She's posted on Reddit about how she found a site where she could interact with fictional characters through AI-generated responses. And she said it all started with mindless chats but then went into role-playing and romance until she found herself choosing to tell the chatbot her problems instead of her fiancé. Mm-hmm. And oh boy, did it escalate from there. So is this starting to sound familiar? Have you had a parasocial relationship with an AI? Because the article also has some really handy questions you can ask yourself or someone you know to check if they've gone a bit parasocially with a celeb. So, Do you regularly check a celeb's social media profile? Do you feel like they're soulmates? Do you feel like if you met, your feelings might be reciprocated? Do you ever feel like they're talking directly to you? Mm? Now, look, there are loads more questions like this you can ask yourself. (laughs) Just to settle your minds, none of these actually apply to me because me and Zac Efron are absolutely destined for each other. Thank you very much. But you should definitely head to the article, Fiancé Calls Off Wedding After Finding Explicit AI Chats on Bride-to-Be's Phone at metro.co.uk. But obviously not before you've listened to my chat with this week's fabulous guest. 
ladies and gentlemen, gays and theys. And now the end is near and so we face our final episodes. Amongst all the amazing guests we've welcomed on, it has always been a personal highlight to chat to sex workers from all walks of life without shame, judgment or shock value. So with that in mind, I thought it would be fitting to welcome in one of our guests to leave us looking towards the future of sex work. She's a dominatrix who shares her experiences and guidance as a dominatrix to an ever-growing readership. It's Countess Diamond. Hello, Countess. Hello. Thank you for having me here today. I'm so very happy to have you on. So let's start with you. Tell us a bit about yourself and how you became a dominatrix. Oh, where do we begin? (laughs) I'm... (laughs) I'm, I've always been a bit sassy, a bit feisty and the one to get the ball rolling on something. And it just happened so naturally. And I found myself in a career where, oh, I, I get to choose what I do and how I do it. And, oh, it's, it's the best career choice I could have ever made. I'm so happy. And uh, I've been doing this for about, about seven years now. And, God, I cannot wait for what the future holds. Did you always find yourself that you were quite dominant or were you drawn to kink before you went into sex work? Yeah, I've always been a bit, a little bit naughty, a little bit um, sneaky, (laughs) feisty. Uh, But I was actually drawn more to fetish wear than I was kink necessarily. So it was all about aesthetics. And then I thought, oh, hang on, there's also this whole heap of fun you can have. I'm in. Yeah, I was... (laughs) obsessed with latex and the feel of it and the look of it and kind of learning about all sorts of fashions and things like that so it came from it came to it from a very um aesthetic point of view first so did you start modeling on things like uh because you've got things you've got only fans and you've got a large like online following was that how you started with the modeling and then you went into in-person domination Oh, I don't think I'd ever consider myself to be a model <laughs> no I uh, I I just started sort of taking sort of saucy pictures and doing a lot of webcam and stuff like that. Mm. And I started on OnlyFans right at the very beginning when it when it first launched. Um, it was a wild west out there, let me tell you. You could put anything goes, you could put anything on there back then, but they've definitely clamped down on it for for the betterment of the, the community and the industry for sure. But um, mm. yeah, yeah, I I started out doing pictures and kind of short video and audio clips. People are obsessed with the voice. We're obsessed mm. with this. <laughs> and yeah, now I somehow have managed to create a, a whole business around my face. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that sex workers need that these days that they need an online following in order to meet people in real life because it used to be the other way around is there does the humble in-person sex worker still exist oh of course they do yes absolutely um, but the the wonderful nature of the internet and being able to do things means you can do things in private and no one will know. You can quickly Google something on your phone and no one will know. So it's just as private as kind of flicking through a, a little saucy magazine or seeing a, a little tart card in a telephone box. It's, it's just the same. We've just adapted and do things different ways. But the wonderful nature of the internet as well means that we can, as sex workers, diversify the way we earn and who wouldn't want to do that. But yeah, there are, of course, people who still just, just earn with in-person work and don't even go online. So what are the ways that you diversify? Oh, God, I've got uh, I've got a merchandise line. 
um you no. can buy what sort of merch oh, i wish i could show you i've got these little pin badges it's one oh and it's got one of my emblems and it's a little oh, wow. a little crystalline kind of line drawing and you can wear that proudly on your way to work and no one knows what it means except for you are and i and a, well a few hundred thousand people now but <laughs> <laughs> and there's um there's also i have a key ring that uh, submissives can buy and they can just you know proudly display me on their keys a little secret something between me and them uh yeah but i have all sorts of diversification i i um i actually have an assistant um an, an apprentice sorry i should say and she is learning the craft and in return for that she pays for my time and i you know teach her what i what i know and we, you know, we work like that, but there's, there's all sorts of different ways, affiliate links. And I even have two short books out on how to make money online. It seems that technology and sex work is very symbiotic. Like we've always used technology, but it feels like as sex workers, we, we take technology when it's in its kind of embryonic stages, like stuff mm. like OnlyFans, but this goes back hundreds of years, like when voicemail was just starting. Yeah. And, what do you think we can do? Because there was a massive outcry when OnlyFans said, right, oh, I know we started off with sex work and now we're taking them off. And then it seemed like there was a massive cry. What are the kind of things that you think sex workers can do when that happens with technology, when we're used to build up a platform and then we're taken off it? Well, I suppose I should clarify that OnlyFans wasn't started as a, a sex work venture. It was it was started as a way of monetizing content, which is a, a fantastic thing to be able to do. And lots of different yeah. platforms have come on board. But then you start to have to prove where your money's coming from and, and you have to start to fit regulation. And then the regulators say, mm, we don't really approve of that. And if you don't adjust the way you're um, dealing with the content that's user generated and coming on, then you're going to hit blockers and boundaries. And it's, it's absolutely within the bank's rights to say you can't host that content on here we don't approve it because some of the stuff that was on there wasn't legit and mm. and i think it's it's totally fine for a, a private corporation to say nope we don't support that you know that's that's well within their rights and there's a lot of people who say you know access to a bank account is is a a human right and i i'm not sure it is i i, I don't think it is i mean i think it should be because you really can't do anything without a bank account. Uh, but I don't actually think, legally speaking, it, it is the bank's right to give you an account. But what can we do to, to make sure that the future platforms that generate content like this help sex workers? So when it comes to the future of technology and sex work, what do you think people can start looking towards? Where do you think the, the future of, of tech and sex work lies? Um, I predict that there'll be a rise in the kind of fictosexual and paras um, parasocial relationships. So thinking that you're in a relationship with this artificial being or thinking that you know someone much better than you do, there's going mm. to be a rise in that because there's going to be a rise in the amount of information and content that's out there. So if I say I like uh, Greek food and and this type of martini and and you know people latch onto that as the only thing I love and it becomes part of my persona and my character and they develop this whole understanding of what they believe I am. That's only going to kind of snowball and become more because there's more information that is con constantly feeding into that. So mm. we need to be really clear with kind of boundaries and definitions of that's an 
online space and then that's me personally so I think for sex workers who are using the internet to communicate with people there needs to be a bit of a boundary because there's so much information we need to make make it really clear like what's what's me and what's what's available for public consumption so Mm. I do see that as a potential a potential kind of risk for workers but also for consumers to get kind of caught up in that kind of like who who is this person and how much of a relationship have I got with them and and the idea that well I pay you 5.95 a month for your pictures so therefore when you show me a picture of you outside an address I know or outside a thing I know mm. of course I can turn up or of course I can google it yeah. and dox the you and of course you'll be happy to see me because that is something that I think a lot of people we've talked about OnlyFans we've talked about online platforms a Mm -hmm. lot and one of the things that they always mention is is things like community I feel like I've got a great community around me it is people it is fans and so it's so interesting that the first thing is is to think about those parasocial relationships and how people Mm -hmm. can get a bit too intertwined is that something that you've ever had to worry about uh, yeah, I mean, it's something that I would say most sex workers, I mean, sadly, it's almost a rite of passage. You have mm. a couple of people who kind of go a little bit heavy and you're like, hang on, I'm going to have to effectively fire you as a client because this is becoming too much. But I think in the mm. future, the way we present ourselves online, and especially if you are a very notable figure and you create this kind of artificial image of yourself on the internet, um, and, and that person, that 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 artificial person that being is available to talk 24 7 and and it's automated responses and it's coming out with phrases that you use and your specific vernacular and it's saying the things you say and the way you say it and it is you to to every essence except you're not there then you mm. you have no control of, over that person's relationship with that that being and mm. it's a worry but I don't know what what the future will be like but that's what I predict will happen I also think there's going to be a lot more um acceptance and uh, affection towards sex workers especially those online because it's much more acceptable at the moment it's much more socially acceptable to be like oh, a couple of feet pics on only fans and I feel like that is only going to increase the divide between let's say street and brothel workers and those who kind of have this image online of of you know earning loads of money and being really famous and fabulous and and we need to as sex workers stick together and go nope we are all in this industry we are all stigmatized in the same way and we all need to protect and work for each other I stopped being a sex worker 10 years ago, but it's been 20 years since I started. And even then, there seemed to be this kind of weird divide of, oh, I'm a, I'm an escort or, mm. you know, I'm, I'm not a street worker. I'm an escort. And, you know, or there even used to be like, I'm a dominatrix or I'm a dancer. Yeah. So I'm not a I'm not a prostitute. But it seems like having this kind of umbrella of saying sex work is quite a, it's just brought it helps to bring yeah. everyone together. Yeah. And, and I really think like in the future. I mean, I'm going to make it my mission. Watch me. Mm. The the people who I see who do these amazing, like high value productions and award nominated kind of Brazzers and Pornhub and all these amazing big names. You mm. watch me. I'm going to make sure that they are protecting the other people in this industry because we have to be in this together. And mm. if those who earn super well at the top, you know, you get these findoms, you know, five grand day, you know, making all this money, that's fabulous. But you need to be paying a little bit of that back into the system yeah. that helps you sustains your living and if you're not doing that you're a dick of a person 
<laughs> we'll get a union together. So is that, I, I think that's what we need. To there make sure. already is a union. The sex workers union is um, is fighting the good fight. I'll be going over to um, to Brussels uh, in a couple of weeks' time to speak in front of the European Parliament about um, sex worker safety on the internet and stuff like that. Ah, so what kind of things do you envision would help sex worker safety on the internet? All right, call me crazy. And mm. I want it on record that I, I said this. I want to create a um, fair trade alliance for porn workers. Because as soon as we say we want to be treated like the rest of the world, the rest of the world goes, well, we have due diligence, we have regulation, we have authorities, we have boards. And at the moment, we don't really, we don't really have that. We are governed by each other of going, well, that's not best practice. And this is how you learn. And actually, you shouldn't do that. And this is how you keep safe. And it's, it's word of mouth and, and harm reduction, rather than mm. education. So I, I, I truly believe the future of the porn industry and I'm talking years ahead is is regulation and people won't like to hear that they'll they'll think I'm kind of trying to sanitize the industry and um and if that is a byproduct of that and I'm I'm truly sorry but I feel like the only way that we can really get accepted into society is is to be as legitimate as the other industries. You can't practice as a doctor if you haven't had the the, the life education of being a doctor, but also the qualifications of the bare minimum. On you know, you you shouldn't be able to pierce skin without having tried it, without having tested it, without having a safe working space and environment. And if you want to do that in the privacy of your own home, go ahead. But to be able to publish that and to be able to make that available on the internet for people to view. It needs to meet a, a, a bare minimum standard of, of safety, hygiene and uh, competency. And this is for porn rather than in-person for porn. sex yeah. work? Okay, okay. Do you think we will ever find anyone who will stand up and have the bollocks to just turn around and say, let's decriminalise sex work or let's at least stop this insane framework that we all work under at the moment? Well, I'm trying to be that person. Yeah, you are. But someone who can make the law, someone who will... But they won't make the law if we don't ask them to. And they, they won't set clear boundaries and clear terms of service if we don't ask them really clearly and say, we present to you a definition of terms and what these terms mean for us. We would like you to implement these terms in your terms of service. So we understand what you mean by extreme fisting because who knows <laughs> yeah. what that is and I'm still a child so even though we're talking about this very seriously I still have to giggle at extreme fisting sorry <laughs> about have, that I have to giggle at fisting if you don't give you don't giggle at fisting you're not you're not, you're not alive yeah what's the point what is the point in life <laughs> what about for other sex workers who are listening to this and who want to get more involved in the rights where can they start so they can start by joining the union it's um it's not a service. It's not something you sign up for and just get access to loads of documents to help you and you know, funding for anything. It's it's a service that isn't a service. It's it's run by sex workers for sex workers. So everyone there is voluntary. But by joining, they give their, I think it's about £4 a month to the union. And that goes in towards supporting um 
events, any kind of um, meetings that we have. We can provide subsidies for people to attend, to have that time off from their general work, to be able to to attend a meeting if they're on the on the board. And it, it just creates a bit more energy and focus around the workers' rights and, and the the things going forward that are going to change are going to be decided in these in these rooms with these people who have the passion to be activists and and kind of raise their head above the parapet. So join the Sex Workers Union. Just Google it. It's called we like to call ourselves SWATs. It's uh, S W U Sex Workers Union. I am a SWAT, <laughs> <laughs> and you can be too. So can anyone join SWATs? Well, if you're a current sex worker, yes. I mean, I think I think our doors are still open for people who are who are ex sex workers or have like a toe in the industry. So if you're doing sex work on the side, um, as long as you consider yourself a sex worker, you're allowed in. We have we have all sorts of workshops. So we have um, training if you need. Um, if you need to understand what your rights are at work or if you want to be joining in with a case, if you feel like your strip club has been treating workers poorly, we have cases going um, to court and, and have been successful in, in those endeavours to get them taken to court as well. And there's also people who have taken payment plat- um, platforms and payment processes to court over loss of, of funds and stuff like that. It's, it's a really successful endeavour, mm. but we're only as strong as the people who support us and the more of those four five quid monthly subs go in the more we can sustain and and grow and that's why I'm saying those people who who believe you know I am the the most highly paid findom in the UK that's fantastic can you afford four pounds a month to support those who are going through all sorts of trouble strife um, housing problems and and you know can't can't access things because of situation they're in can you put that four pounds towards this little cause and we're all going to fight for the same rights the same rights that have allowed you to become that top rated findom money manager in your industry and what about the future of the union what would you like to see happen I, I think at the moment we are independent and we, we are run by sex workers and I think we will continue to be that way because it's the nature of what we do. Um, we have in the past associated with bigger unions and at the moment we're, we're actually aligned with um, the Bakers and Food Service Workers Alliance, which is really cool. So like the bakers and the hoes got together. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, there's always a bit of bread, isn't there? That's there's what all, we're working always... towards. Always bread. <laughs> <laughs> Sex and drugs and sausage rolls. Yes. Yeah, basically. Um, so so we, we are really closely aligned with them and they've been so supportive. They've been really cool. And all of the other um, kind of um, branches are uh, really supportive and really welcoming. And what I would love to see in the future is it be just so normal that you let's say go to do shooting content with a big studio and that studio um is verified by the union or something like that they they have that fair trade um sticker on their website and you know that their company name and number is associated with a a line of code on a website that says they are legit 
you know like mm. if you were going to go to see a private doctor you could check them out on the, uh, the 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 doctor's registration and you know that they're above board and they haven't been struck off something something like that imagine that if yeah. you could you could double check that that studio's credentials now of course there's all sorts of worker safety that we need to consider because we are a marginalized group we are stigmatized and we, we live in a society that doesn't value sex workers at the same rate as they they value a doctor right and and i'm going to continue with that analogy because what's the difference if a doctor is providing therapy for someone i provide a, a, a form of therapy in in much the same way now i'm gonna get a load of stick for saying that i think i'm just as important as a doctor they save lives i've saved lives i know that sounds ridiculous and but i know that you can understand the kind of relationships i'm talking about where someone comes to you and says i just need to express this thing and you go yeah cool open arms let's let's do that thing let's talk through that thing i'm not saying Save lives on the daily. I feel like I'm going to get loads of stick for this. Not on this podcast. (laughs) But why can't we see someone providing that service in the same light as a doctor or a nurse or a hairdresser or an electrician? You need to be qualified to do those things. You need to to follow a a strict code of ethics, a code of practice, and you get struck off if if that studio continues to abuse. or mistreat um, their content creators, then they need to be struck off and and they shouldn't be working in that industry. Are you worried about AR? I'm going to leap over into another thing now, but you, how are you, are you worried about AI or, um, you know, is the, would the union be worried about AI? Like if it got to a point where your face and your body and your voice and your pictures can be used by someone to create their whole online girlfriend and a whole other persona i mean we've got that with the with the work with the writers and actors at this point but mm-hmm. in my mind i feel like well someone should be looking after the sex workers because surely with the amount of content that you guys you know that people are having to put online these days that it could all be mm-hmm. taken by by ai well, that's that's what my hopes would be kind of trying to achieve with the the ethical kind of certification which is 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 quite separate from union that's not necessarily a union stance it's much more a me stance but Mm. um imagine a world where i as a sex worker have um various apps and bots that i can use to monetize my content and i know that they are protected and they are safe and i can turn them off if i want to turn them off or i can monitor conversations and i can see that someone is uh, spending too much money or spending too much time or interacting in a way that's concerning i can turn that off it's when it gets out of my hands Mm. and out of my control that's when that starts to become a worry and it already is sort of happening so if for example I load my content onto a platform and that platform is not an ethically uh, operating platform that data is not protected in a way that it should be it can be mined and copied and replicated all over the internet at such a fast pace that I can't even catch up with it and then you try and put a dmca request a, a takedown request it just gets completely ignored because they get thousands they get hundreds they just move different servers they move to different countries some countries that where this content is host hosted the law does not apply so in my dream scenario there is a worldwide certification that that platform cannot have that content because they do not have the certification for that exact piece of content and that image and that is replicated hundreds of times and it's a really easy thing to be able to say that 
entire platform needs to be taken down offline needs to be taken down because it is in violation of xyz and and it's a worldwide thing not the dmca which is oh by the way uh you're you've taken our content in our country but because you're over there it doesn't count it needs Mm. to be worldwide and we Mm. need to be able to as, as people who put their face on the internet and their image and their voice you need to be able to say take that down and Mm. you know people say oh it goes on the internet and lives there forever i don't see why it should Mm. why do i not have the right to remove myself from the internet and and that's that's a frustration do you think people think about that when they're starting out and they're like oh i can just put this on OnlyFans and i make some money Mm. do you think people think enough about what is happening to their content and who is profiting from it i don't think people realize I don't, I don't think they realise. So no, they don't think about it enough. And it's, mm. it, do you know what? It's bloody traumatising to see an image of yourself that you didn't put out there yourself, that was that was stolen from you, that was recorded surreptitiously. You didn't know it was out there. It's it's revenge porn, but it's not a revenge. It's just porn to them. Mm. They're not going, Aha, I've got a, you know, I've got this sneaky thing, and I'm going to publish it. They don't care that it's it's automated, it's bots, it's generated to generate clicks, advertising income, and it is prolific. Every sex worker you can think of, their content is is elsewhere and leaked, and it's just do you know what? It's bloody it's bloody ruining the planet as well. All of these servers holding all of this useless information that is that is actually not doing anything except generating clicks for a company that exists outside the bounds of any other tax jurisdiction, any other legal framework it just exists for clicks and that's that's eating up so much server data we're like climate change christ we're heating up the world with my nudes over there (laughs) (laughs) i really i know it's such a bad thing but i still want that on a t-shirt we're heating up the world with my nudes (laughs) there's your next merch Uh, oh, I really, I really loved, I really feel like my brain is getting an exercise. I really love going into all of this, but I am going to have to go down into the gutter now, I'm afraid. I'm Come sorry. on. Tell us about some of your favourite things as a dominatrix. What are some of your favourite kind of clients, favourite kind of sessions? What really gets you going? Oh, I love love. And you're going to be like, what? I love. Oh, no, it's romantic. No, come love, on. Love. You know, that, that painful adoration that you feel when you're a, a youngster and you you got your teen love and they broke your heart and you're crying. Oh, oh I want to I eat it. <laughs> I love it. So, yeah. so someone will come to me and they'll... Um, they'll be like okay countess I, I, i'm obsessed i've been watching you on the internet for years or something and i'm like oh oh really <laughs> oh. <laughs> but i love it i absolutely adore it and and to to then sort of say oh right oh you're you're, you're interested are you and to kind of you cast the reel and, and wheel it in oh i love it and then you meet them for a session and they're just oh handsome wonderful people and oh, oh, oh i love i just love that I can connect with people in this way and and love them and they love me and we have this beautiful, powerful connection. And then at the end of the day, I go home and I've got this wonderful, happy home life too. It's, I just, 
love intensity and and the kind of all-encompassing feelings that you can feel when you're in a session and in this kind of relationship with someone it's just so wonderful i'm i'm gonna have i'm gonna ask the the question that i think a lot of listeners are are thinking about when you say i love love and they love me and i love them how do you keep it at the door how do you not take that home with you oh i don't i do take it home i love them <laughs> yes. So how do you some stop people, texting them and saying you won't behave? <laughs> some people I um I I see and it's like, oh meh, you know, that was just a job, you know, that yeah, fine, that was okay, you know, yeah, he was he was nice, he was interesting, wonderful. But yeah, it was just a job. But then you have some people, you know, and my long term submissives, my God, I'd move heaven and earth for them, and I know they'd do the same for me. I adore them. I absolutely adore them. What are the kind of things that you that you like to see in a submissive? If someone was to come to you, what would be some of your top three things for them to show their adoration to you? Time. They will wait. I will make mm. them wait and wait even more. Dedication. So I want to see them doing things. An initiative. I want to see them being smart, coming up with a, a, a second idea. A, a, I have found this thing for you and I think this might really work. So those three things, as well as um, just being a decent bloody person. You know, you could have all these qualities. You could hang around forever. You could wait for my attention. But if you're a, if you're a dickhead, I don't want to see you. It's got to be a vibe. I've got to, I've got to feel that they really, really want me and they'll do anything to think of this, this idea and they'll spend time you know, presenting this idea to me and this thought and this plan and this, I've got this thing for you. And, and just going, going that extra mile with an innovative mind is, oh, I'm... <laughs> And finally, three things you want to see for the future of sex work. Uh, more unionisation more acceptance from the general population that this is something that their peers enjoy their friends enjoy and um i don't know perhaps a bit more love you know i'm you know, i'm something i'm really sick of is seeing uh, specifically in the dominant space people saying oh these these silly men you know these weak men i think it actually takes a lot of balls to be able to stand in front of a woman like me and let her do whatever she wants to. I think that's quite brave. I think a lot of love. You can't go wrong with love, can you? You can't. A little bit of love. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for joining me, Countess Diamonds. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this week's Smut Drop. Next week, I will be sending you off into the world of love, dating and relationships with some golden advice from married at first sight relationship expert Melanie Schilling. If you've got any burning questions, now is your last chance to send them in. I'm that Miranda Kane on Instagram where you can slide into my DMs, Twitter as Miri Kane or email smutdrop at metro.co.uk. Thank you all for listening to this week's Smut Drop. I've been Miranda Kane. Smut Drop was produced by Pineapple or production for metro.co.uk I am definitely going to be back to prick up your ears one last time next week